This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Enquirer publisher here with you. And I got to admit, this is like the first day in really since I've been done with the radio show that I kind of miss the radio show because there's so much going on in the world of sports, whether it's the Bears and their ridiculous win yesterday over the Lions, Alec Mills no-hitter, my White Sox atop the American League, who'd have thunk it, uh, the NBA playoffs, um, the Big Ten possibly returning, and of course, um, I, I kind of miss talking about all those things and breaking all those things down, uh, and I wanted to react to the Big Ten anyway, but I figured I wanted to talk a little Bears too, uh, and uh, a guy I love talking about it with is Mike Carpenter. You can hear him on the 200 level podcast of course you know him uh from his days on espn radio 93.5 both the tay and carp show and uh tay and jay what's up mike how you doing man i'm doing great i i have to admit that for about two and a half hours yesterday it was a familiar <laughs> feeling as a bears fan that i mean you know we we could joke about all the past debacles of quarterback but it, it seemed like that was the trajectory and even if the 45 minutes that followed were a complete mirage and mean nothing I think in this year of all years, just being able to experience that sort of euphoria, yeah. however brief, it, it was great. I, my, the rest of my Sunday was better as a result of the way that that game ended. Even experiencing some misery on some level, Carp, was okay yeah. with me because I, I, went, I wasn't that excited about bear season, to be honest with you, probably because my White you know. Sox are, are so good and I'm so focused on them. And I, Carp, I'm getting to know what a Yankees fan or Cardinals fan <laughs> or Cubs fan's existence is like again because I'm like, man, NFL season just you know snuck up on me. And it's not just because of the pandemic. It's because I'm so focused on a September baseball season. Um, but I went to my, my best friend Matt's house and – we sat there and watched a Bears game and we're miserable together for, for three quarters, but it brought us together, right? And it was just like something to look forward to and something to, if they're lost, commiserate with, with Bears fans on or when they're winning and I know it might be bad for their long term, I'm sitting there pumping my fists and celebrating and talking about how ridiculous it was. Like, that's what we missed with sports, right? Is I get to watch my White Sox every night and it's fun. And uh, I got to watch the Bears and I was frustrated and mad for three quarters, but it was nice to be frustrated and mad about sports rather than what's happening in the world. I think that the frustration I felt back during the basketball tournament, the last game that, you know, the one that the uh, House of Pain ended up up losing, it was a nice kind of foreshadowing of, all right, this is what sports feels like. And that was a very, as fun as that week and a half was, that was a very fleeting kind of thing. You get baseball going. As you recall, about five days ago, I did give up on the Yankees, but they won five straight. So I'm back on the bandwagon. He's we'll back. Fine. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing, Carp. You have the you have the most talented team in the oh. American League. You just hurt. You just hurt, man. They're hurt. They're getting back. But you're right about baseball. That is something that since it came back, and even with the Yankees slumping, that is a day to day thing. So that was nice to have something like that to hold up, uh, hold on to. Football. 
whether it be Texas State and SMU a week ago or the slate of games with the Big 12 going 0-3 against the Sun Belt. And then finally, the Bears, there was almost something surreal about tuning into the game yesterday. Uh, but then it was like I mentioned the word familiar before when the Bears go down 23-6. to And you talk about commiserating even in misery. And that was something that I had missed myself, being that miserable, <laughs> going to Twitter. Or we actually had a Zoom room going with friends and I oh, nice. as we were watching the game. And we're just livid and bummed. And it, it just felt like so many Sundays before. And then you get that switch. Now, I mentioned what does it mean? I don't know if it means anything. <laughs> if anything, it might actually be bad because it's going to prolong this Trubisky yes. experiment. But I do think that the long-term success of the Bears um, – the worst case would be to not get resolution. Yeah, I still think with 15 games left, we'll get it one way or the other. But I'm going to hold on just for this week. I'm going to hold on to that 5%. The 5% chance that maybe Trubisky in year four <laughs> figures it out. I'm going to try. Well, as I mentioned, this is where I kind of miss the the sports radio show. It's just, you get to kind of react to these things. And this, this is the Illini Inquirer podcast. We're going to be focused on the Illini and the Big Ten. But uh, we might make this a regular thing. Carb and I have talked about maybe a Mondays yeah, with Mike on, on the podcast because we could react to whatever happens in college football if Illinois comes back. And later on in this podcast, we'll talk about the Big Ten seemingly likely uh, coming back for a fall season and, and how it impacts Illinois. Um, but the other part of fandom yesterday that I was reminded, Carp, is me and my buddy are watching the game. It's a reminder that as much as we Bears fans deservedly can't complain about our franchise, there are plenty of teams who show me it can be worse. <laughs> and the Lions, uh-huh. the Lions are one of those. And and while I, I don't pity Lions fans, uh, Detroit fans too much, because the Tigers have been good for the most of the last century. The Red Wings are the best franchise and have been for the longest time. And in hockey, uh, Pistons had the run. Yeah, the Pistons have had their two runs right in a lot of people's lifetimes uh but the lions fandom is just as as bad as it can get in the nfl the browns were awful again yesterday the jets were awful so kind of like the bulls with the knicks or the Rutgers with illinois it's kind of it's it at, be least, worse. at least you have those schools that or those programs those teams that remind you it could be worse i was at detroit two years ago for that thanksgiving game that chase daniel won <laughs> and walking out of it you know, listen, I think Matthew Stafford is overall a fine quarterback, and I, I feel for him in that I don't know how good any of the teams he's been on have actually been. I, I don't know you if you put were him on the Bears. You put him on the Bears, I think he would have been to a Super Bowl. With the Jay Cutler defense, with some of those teams? J- just, yeah, I think in his career. What's he been in the league? 10 years now? Um, oh, God, I think more than that. I think he's a top 12 quarterback. You, you put. I, I, I would think, probably agree. I think one of those years, maybe I don't know, maybe not Super Bowl because you never know what can happen in the playoffs. But I think they win more divisions. I, I think that's for sure. As we were leaving that game two years ago, and it was a late interception. I think Eddie Jackson or Kyle Fuller might have been the one to seal the deal. But uh, hearing the Detroit Lions fans comment, and it, it was the shared misery <laughs> that I felt in Lot Thirty One, <laughs> for example, right. And I really think that the Bears, you know, we could compare Bears and Illinois, but I don't know if the Bears overall have are at the depths of Illinois in terms of historical um, irrelevance. Even when the Bears are bad, there's just this thread of fandom that um, it's never quite as much despair as I felt as like an Illinois football fan. The Trestman year probably was the last Trestman year was probably the worst. 
I forget there's only two trust meters. That was probably the low point of my Bears fan, even though there was probably worse teams. Is that when it was so embarrassing? Uh, but it still wasn't as embarrassing as maybe the Beckman thing, right? Oh, and, no, and yeah. some of the uncompetitive Illinois teams you've had. But that that's the NFL college football thing, but... But you mentioned the Lions, you mentioned the Jets, the Browns, and yeah, absolutely. I think this Bears team is probably somewhere between, let's say, <laughs> God, I don't know, 16 to 24, and that's a wide range. Um, at their best, they might be able to sneak into a wild card spot. I'm not, I'm not counting on it. But I, I do think that in a 16-game season with a defense that as bad as they were yesterday, and keep in mind they should have lost the game. Trevathan lost coverage again. He looks so slow out there in coverage there's enough holes on the defense where Trubisky aside, I don't know how good this team is, even with a great Trubisky, but at least, you know, in this year of all years, I just need the illusion. (laughs) However long it may be, I need the illusion that it could be a fun year. And the way the schedule shakes out, I actually think they could stack a few wins early, including we look at Tampa and before the season, you mark that like, ah, give me a break. That isn't going to happen. You see how sluggish other teams looked yesterday, Mm -hmm. even ones that we thought would be good. And, It'll take a little luck, but there is a path for this team to go maybe 10 and six and sneak into a wild card. Listen, the difference between NFL teams is so small, right? It is, it is so small in the NFL, uh, but it is so apparent at the the biggest position, right? Um, So you take wins when you can, but I mean, Matt Stafford, his stats might not have looked as good as Mitch Trubisky's by the end of the game. He was the better quarterback in that game, right? He, he did not have um, a lot of help on that team, and the defense for the Lions was awful in, in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, how do you feel? I mean, that's not a game you celebrate. It's one you enjoy. <laughs> but it's yeah, not it one sense. you're like, yeah. yeah, Bears are going 10-6, and six, even though I think that's possible. Like you said, I you could. said between 16 and 24. I would say between yeah. 12 in 24. Nope. I think that, that, that she's probably more accurate. I think they're between a 6 and 10 and 10 and 6 team. Like I, I think their high point is probably a 6 or 7 seed, right, in the playoffs, which seven mm-hmm. teams in the playoffs. And their low point is probably 6 and 10. So it's why I haven't had a lot of excitement cuz even if they make the playoffs, which is fun, they don't make the playoffs that often. Um mm-hmm. I just feel there's a ceiling because of the guy you have a quarterback. And you have to give it to one incredibly great fourth quarter performance by Mitch Trubisky, eight for 10, 89 yards, three touchdowns. And according to some of these metrics, those were three really tough throws to make. And we saw them. Yeah. Uh, they were great throws. But it's incredibly frustrating because he was awful for three quarters. He was not an NFL quarterback for three quarters, missing all those throws. And that's what the Mitch Trubisky era has been. You see these tools, Carp. And at times he puts it together. Like 2018 season, he had some games where he just put it together. But you see the end of stats, you're like, oh, that, that's pretty good historically for what our quarterbacks have been. But for most of that game, you can't overlook that, again, in his fourth year. And I always find it interesting hearing you know, the announcers like Jonathan Vilma putting such a low bar. Like, that's something he needs to work on. It's like, it's year four. <laughs> Look what Deshaun Watson is doing, right? Yeah, he's um, 26 years old. Come on. <laughs> it's, it's year four. But like that, he still can't make the reads. He still looks like he's thinking. He still looks like he gets overwhelmed and they can't process the game quick enough. So even after that game, that great fourth quarter performance, I, I, I still am not buying it. Are, are you more optimistic today? Or are you hopeful for Mitch Trubisky after that game? Not necessarily, but I wish there was a way to play the entire game as if they were 
they were trailing two touchdowns and it's just Mitch go out there and sling it around. And I feel as if when the chains have been taken off, I understand why Nagy would be so um, trepidatious of trying to let him make intermediate to deep throws the entire game. On the other hand, the one thing about Mitch that I don't feel to the same degree as even a Jay Cutler is that when he goes back to make a throw, I certainly have that anxiety that he's going to do something wrong. But usually with Mitch, it's just that he's going to miss the mark by either underthrowing, overthrowing, uh, throwing behind the guy. But I, I'm not trained to the point of thinking that he's always going to throw a pick. It's weird about Mitch like that. Yeah, I don't think Jay, his interception numbers are that bad. Jay was more, he was so confident in himself that yes. he would throw it where he knew he shouldn't throw it, but he's like, I'm Jay freaking Cutler. I got an arm of mm-hmm. gold. I'm going to th- toss it in there on Brett Favre. Right? He always had this more confidence than he did. I don't think Mitch has any confidence or barely any confidence. But you're right, Carp. What is so frustrating is through three quarters, my buddy and I are like, why are they calling these plays? And, and they ran the ball well, and kudos to Nagy for that. That was a big yeah. positive from that game. You get Tariq Cohen in between the tackles. I thought David Montgomery looked good and Corderell Patterson getting him involved. But – all of a sudden in that fourth quarter, when the game seemingly was seemingly done, right? They speed it up, they go tempo, and they're doing these quick hitters. And I know some of that's probably Detroit going more to man-to-man defense, and that that's that's Matt Patricia's that fault. Um, but still, it was like, that's what you have to do with Mitch. You got to get him moving, get him one, two reads, throw it, or run. Like, he's a really good runner, and he's, he's better throwing on the move. I don't know why it took him so long, or maybe I'm giving too much credit to, to the Bears for that, and it was more of the Lions, but he does work better with tempo when he's just not – he even said this after the game, when I, I don't think as much. Like, thinking for him and processing is the problem, so you got to make it easier for him. And that's sad that you can't do what you do with Mahomes or Watson or whatever, but – with the quarterback you have, he has tools. You have to find a way to, to use them the best. And I, I don't think Nagy's done that the last year and a half. I think it's easier said than done in terms of Nagy changing his mindset about how you use Mitch. If Nagy were to be told, your job is safe, this is really going to be a judgment call on Mitch Trubisky and Ryan Pace, then I think Matt Nagy would sort of feel untethered and say, you know what, I'm just going to play – some playground football and just let Mitch be Mitch. And if he goes down, he's the one that goes down, not me. I think that last year from the Packers game and really through a good chunk of that season, the idea was, well, we need an offense to complement the defense. And I don't always think that's a constructive thing to do. If you, if you had a Kyle Orton and you were forced into a game management type of offense, that's great, but that's not what Mitch is ever going to be able to do. Nick Foles, right? And that's what Nick Foles (laughs) is here for. (laughs) He's there, and it's funny because we could look at any of our timelines on Twitter yesterday, (laughs) and I understand why they didn't pull Mitch. I I felt as if, okay, you can do one of two things. You can try to win this game, but you're already down three scores, or you can let Mitch wear it. And maybe there was a part of Matt Nagy that said, they put this guy on me. It's yeah. not, it wasn't my choice. I got to deal with it. Mitch, you, you go out there, throw another pick, see if I care. And what happened instead was that you saw Mitch actually have a really good fourth quarter. Now, the one thing I forget, though, was it in the fourth quarter or late third quarter when he had the 25-yard loss? Oh, God. You see, <laughs> so bad. That, got no chance at a field goal, right? It was just like, no. uh, and, so and, and that's what I can't overlook. I'm, I'm sorry. I, if you want me to come on, if you're a Mitch guy and you're like, hey, it's, it's these other things. It's like, come on, you're four. We got to raise the bar here. And yesterday, fourth quarter, great. That was awesome. 
that still does not reach the bar I want for my starting quarterback of a team that's going to be a Super Bowl contender. So I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, probably Carp. I should be should have been rooting for a loss because it would get us the things that maybe you want, which is a superstar quarterback or Tank Justin Fields or Trey Lant, whatever it is. But still, I'm a fan, man, and I, I was wearing my white Jay Cutler jersey, and I was having fun with it. Like I, I still think Mitch pro- isn't the answer, and the worst thing that would probably happen is he has more performances like this. They go nine and seven, and they extend him. <laughs> right, that would probably be the worst thing. But hey. You can have a little bit of hope today that that Mitch could have a breakthrough if that's what you want to do. I'm not quite there yet. I think this team is what we thought it was. I think the Lions are who we thought they were. The encouraging thing with this NFL, though, is if I look at the NFC, the Packers were super impressive yesterday. And a a pissed off Aaron Rodgers is a scary thing. Good call, Packers, of drafting Jordan Love. Just just piss him off. Yeah. I mean, that that was actually maybe a shrewd move by the GM. But that is a, a team that I... I want no part of, even though we'll inevitably face them and lose to them probably twice. But if I look through the rest of that NFC, the Saints, impressive. Uh, Tampa will get their act together, I think, at some point. Uh, But the path to a playoff spot is there. And this is one benefit of having been a mediocre 8-8 and last year as opposed to 12-4 and the year before. With the way that the NFL goes about its scheduling, that you got some breaks. And I I also wonder, too— Get to play the Giants next week, right? (laughs) The Giants next week, I think the Falcons after that in Atlanta. But I think the big thing that might be a factor here, I look at Mitch, and I don't know how often he's – his confidence has never been great. I don't know how often he's necessarily been shaken to the core because of a loud uh, crowd on the road or something like that. But you take the crowd element out of it, and he's just out there on a field throwing it around. I got to think for someone that lacks confidence in the first place, it doesn't hurt that these road games are not going to be in front of raucous crowds this year. A few more positives. We talked about the run game, Nagy committing to it. Akeem Hicks makes a world of difference. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I know the run game, the run defense struggled a little bit against Adrian Peterson, and I thought that was the interior guys. Um, but Akeem Hicks with a huge sack late in that game. Wide receivers, man. Allen Robinson, pay the man his money. Uh, Anthony Miller has looked good when healthy. Darnell Mooney looks like a good player. Jalen Johnson, yeah, I, I know he got trucked, but I thought the rookies looked pretty good. Didn't see a lot of Cole Komet. Uh, but the negatives would be Mitch's first three quarters. I thought they missed Eddie Goldman at nose guard. Um, Bilal Nichols, Roy Robertson, Harris didn't think have great games. You mentioned Trevathan. He looks slow, man. He, he looked almost right. done. Um, and, and teams are going to attack him in coverage. Roquan didn't play great. Um, got run over a couple times. And you know, I thought Khalil Mack played pretty well. He was a constant guy. He didn't get sacks, but he was always pressured. They just missed Robert Quinn. So I, I think the defense to be – as good as we think they can be, uh, I think they need Robert Quinn back, and I think they need those other two kind of defensive interior defensive linemen to step up. Yeah, I'm excited to see them in action with Quinn. How much of a difference he makes? I think when it comes to the tight end position and all the well, however many guys they have at that position now, they started with eight, but I think they might be down to four. You know, Jimmy Graham did have a couple nice. Uh, he did have a nice connection in the second half with Mitch. There's no lift at all. I know that Mitch technically overthrew him but man if it were three years ago i and that's even post the prime of jimmy graham's career i'm thinking he probably could have snagged that his timing was awful his timing was really weird on both of those uh overthrows if we want to call it that yeah uh the one thing i will give Nagy, um you know last year everybody thought that thing was just going to fall apart and they were competitive right and then you know this year i mean that game I gave up on them. I thought that was a terrible loss in the season. Yeah, it's going to go down the tank right away. Yep. They didn't quit. 
And Nagy's Nagy's respected in that locker room, so we can complain about play calling stuff, but this isn't Tressman. Right, this Not guy has respect. That's a good locker room. They don't give up. They seem to have fun. They seem to be bought into each other. So uh, that's that's good to see as a Bears fan. I don't think this is going to be a disaster. Right? I, yesterday could have been, um, and maybe we're singing a different story. But I, I think we've seen enough from Nagy during some adverse times that this team's going to play competitive football. It's just can they win more than they lose? I'm not sure yet. You mentioned, I guess, a nightmare scenario where they go nine and seven or eight and eight, and it's just good enough. This is where I, I need to sort of disconnect here and think, okay, I'm going to watch the season for what it is. I'll watch each game, and I ho- I'll hope as a fan that they stay competitive. And I think you and I and other Bears fans would sleep better at night if we knew that the ownership had as high expectations as we do, yeah. meaning the McCaskies have always had a tendency, minus the Trestman two-year thing, they've always had a tendency to hold on to things too long. And my concern would be less about, well, they, you know, Week by week, how good is this team? How bad are they? I'm, I'm just going to watch it as a fan, but know that if they do go 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven and they aren't particularly impressive doing it, that the danger rests with the McCaskies not making a move, letting Ryan Pace continue, and potentially extending this longer than it needs to go. Here's what I've always said about Ryan Pace. I don't think he's great at his job, but I don't think he's terrible at his job. Right. He, yeah. He, he's. I, I think he's made some really good moves, and obviously the Trubisky one is going to be his defining moment. He'll get hired or fired most likely based on that, unless his other moves are just good enough to get you to another quarterback. Right. Um, Matt Nagy is twenty-one and thirteen as a head coach. Not bad. Yeah. I, I don't think he's great, but he certainly isn't bad. Um, so it's just you got to get to that next step, though. I think the, these guys have gotten him from point A to point B. But can you get to point C in this division, which I think is open? I mean, I think the Packers are better than you because you're court, their quarterback. And the Vikings, I think, and the Bears are very similar. I think those franchises and teams and rosters are are very, very similar. So are you excited for week two after week one? Yeah, sure. And I, I think in terms of the, even the short term, uh, the next few years and looking at the NFC North, if this is, in fact, Aaron Rodgers' last ride, I'm not looking forward to this year because an angry Aaron Rodgers, like we said, that's a dangerous thing for the NFC. But I think he's got two, right? I think he's got two more Green Bay. Yeah, and you know, it, it's interesting to follow that story. It, it, it's funny how before the season begins and you hear stories about a disgruntled Aaron Rodgers, and you're thinking, what a what a prima donna, and then he goes out on the field and he is just he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. And I know that we are a little bit biased because we see him kill the Bears year in, year out. And even if the Bears were to be up 13, 17 points in the second half, you you just know what he's capable of. Yeah. I, I've never felt that way, even about a Brett Favre. There's something about Aaron Rodgers that's so dangerous. Yeah, I, I think you can't argue with Tom Brady what he's accomplished, right? Yeah. He's the most decorated quarterback ever, and if you want to call him the GOAT, go for it. I always thought John Elway growing up had the best tools I've ever seen in a quarterback. I think now you're seeing Patrick Mahomes is probably that guy. Mm-hmm. But I agree, Carp. If I had to pick a quarterback to say, okay, I'm just starting a roster from scratch. Don't know who my coach is, but that's my quarterback. I'm picking Aaron Rodgers. I, I just think he yeah. has everything you've ever wanted um, in a quarterback. So Green Bay's always – and he and he's uh, he's covered up a lot of – issues that Green Bay's had and a lot of the front office issues they've had, but um, they're doing pretty well now. All right, Cart, welcome. Last, we, we, the last point about that, about the NFC, you know, you mentioned the Giants next week. And I mean, I know our, our friend Austin and his Eagles <laughs> and Harry Black. Uh, the NFC East is going to get one team, one, probably, right? The NFC South, I think you can bank on two for sure. And then the NFC West, let's say another two. two. I, yeah. 
I think two could come out of the NFC North. So with that being the case and the Bears and Vikings essentially being, I'd say, close to equal, all things considered, that is where, um, yeah, yeah I, I to answer that question a second time, I, do, I am excited for week two, but also excited that they could stack some wins early yeah. and uh, instead of having to play catch up in November. They need to. They need to be at least two and one after three games, right? If, yeah. if, if we're going to be talking playoffs. All right, we could be talking Big Ten football, Carp. We could, we could actually have Illinois football content this fall. Let's talk about that when we come back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Carp, new optimism in the Big Ten. And, uh, man, it's been a crazy month and a half uh, since the Big Ten. Obviously, it's been a crazy six, seven months here. But uh, it's it's been a crazy month and a half for the Big Ten. But it could all lead to uh, a season starting mid-October after all of this, um, you know, discord in the Big Ten, which is rare, all, all the Kevin Warren criticism, which I think most of it is, is warranted uh, after division of all of this. You could still have the Big Ten playing football in, in mid-October. All the reports are that there will be a vote today. It seemed like the, the new medical reports and the advancements, especially rapid testing, which kudos to Illinois uh, for, for really being one of the frontline um, you know, people who have changed that and, and universities that have changed that. Uh, so it seems like we're, we're getting closer to play. And, and just talking with some people in Illinois – you know, there were a lot of people watching Duke and uh, Notre Dame play, and they were pissed off that, that they weren't. And you saw the players were upset. But on the other hand, you've also seen a lot of teams have to postpone games. You've seen a lot of players missing from these games due to COVID-19 and contact tracing and all of that. So it's interesting, Carp, that after all of this, the last month, we could still end up with most of a Big Ten season. Now, it's not going to be as many games, but... It's been a winding, bumpy road to get here, but you could still get to your destination and possibly safer than these other leagues who have kind of rushed it. First off, I did not realize the no pun intended Warren warranted. I've, <laughs> all this time that I've said, oh, the, the uh, criticism is in fact warranted. That's your next pod I, name. <laughs> I, I will say, so there's a few things that I think to have this conversation, we can get out of the way so we don't need to repeat ourselves, right? The first one is we would certainly agree that the rollout of the announcement was, let's even, let's even say a disaster. F. The communication F. was terrible. F, yeah, absolutely. And because of that, it opened the door to, let's say, somewhat of a politiciz political or politicization. That's such a hard yes. word to say. You know what I mean by that, though. Um, it opened the door for that. It opened the door for uh, the parent letters, for the lawsuits, however uh, legit those may or may not be. But long story short, the rollout was a failure. 
I do think, though, you hit on something that I was thinking about this weekend, watching the games that were on, enjoying them, uh, but at the same time getting news that Virginia, Virginia Tech for the following week was postponed. I think Memphis and Houston, another game postponed. We're going to continue to see that because as much testing as the ACC and the Big 12 have, it simply isn't reliable enough to know that you can put all these players on a field at any given time and know that none of them have COVID-19. Where the Big 10 might have the advantage here is having waited, even if it was unintentional, <laughs> right? That having waited, they might in fact have the protocols that when they start this season, they would be the only league to get through their schedule without having to postpone games. Certainly, there will be players that have to sit out. But if you have enough rampant testing in the Big Ten, instead of a whole team having to say, we can't play this Saturday, right. it would be more of a case of, we know the five guys that have it, and the other 80 guys are good to go. Here's here's the thing. If, if money were not necessary or college football playoff were not necessary, let's just say college football playoff. If Ohio State were not worried about the college football playoff, the best way to pull this off would be to wait till late November. Okay, right. it, that that is the best. You get students off campus. You have more time to get all these things in place. More time to learn about the virus. I doubt a vaccine's ready by November, like some people want. But you have more time, and you have less chance for community spread. Right. So that would be the easiest. But yeah. there is a college football playoff because the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve. You guys, Warren didn't get everybody on board to postpone this thing. Right. He couldn't get it all on board. Plus, you have the NFL draft. So you want to get players ready for the NFL draft, and you're already seeing uh, so many players opting out. But in hindsight, of course, but even at that time, I think we all looked at the Big Ten and said when they postponed, why not just delay? Like postpone, they said postpone until the spring. Why not mm -hmm. just say, we're going to wait a month? Right, we're we're gonna get more in a month, and and again, it's maybe easier in hindsight, but I think a lot of us were talking about this when they postponed because it makes sense. You're in the middle of the country's worst pandemic in a century. Okay, we're approaching two hundred thousand two hundred thousand deaths in this country. It is far from unreasonable to take your time to to get more time to think about is myocarditis a real issue? Can, can we spend a couple more weeks on this? Can we get more studies on this and, and learn more about this? Can we get everybody on the same testing circle? Maybe that should have been done earlier because it felt like yeah. the Big Ten was a little flat-footed here when the season started coming up, even though they had time. But I think the Big Ten was trying to do the right thing. I do think it was made in the health and safety of student-athletes, more so than you know, lawsuits and all of that because they're experiencing lawsuits now. But the Big Ten did acknowledge, which I'm happy about as, as an Illinois alum, that this virus is real and, and that th there are health and safety ramifications of everything they do. Now, the Big Ten also is allowing students on campus everywhere they've been, right? So that, that, is, a, that is a legit criticism um, for these teams not playing sports. But a lot of people would say it's more important to have kids get an education, than play sports, which I also agree with. But yes, I mean, they absolutely botched this. But in the end, what are the long-term ramifications of that? That's what I find myself. If they, if they vote to play today or they announce this week that they're going to start a season and the date that they're setting for is October 17th, is there long-term ramifications? I always thought Ohio State, Nebraska, Iowa leaving the Big Ten, that's, that's bull. 
right? It wasn't going to happen. No, no I, I get you're upset right now, but the Big Ten is a great league. They've been great to you. It makes no sense for them to leave based on what's happened the last two months, right? That's very short-sighted and very whiny, in, in my opinion. Even if, and now they're getting what they want, right? So it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to leave. Um, also with this, athletic departments are going to bring in revenue, that, t- that television revenue. Maybe some fans in the stands, we'll see. I know Florida State had many more than people thought. Oh, yeah. But you're getting fans in the stands. And while that doesn't get you out of the flood of financial woes you have right now, Carp, it does help you maybe stay afloat, right? And, and maybe Whitman doesn't have to make the decisions Iowa and Minnesota had about cutting sports or Wisconsin, which cut all these employees, right? I still think he's going to have to make some of those. But it just it gives you a lifeline there financially. I think the biggest one is Kevin Warren. I, I think he was exposed as green. I, I think he was exposed in a hard time, which nobody nobody really envies him uh, for the p- position he was put in the first year on the job. But the Big Ten hired an outsider, and, and that showed this year. If you had had Jim Phillips, I think he would have had the relationships in the Big Ten to get kind of everybody on board. Um, and it didn't seem like Warren's done that. Even dating back to the basketball suspensions, right, of Alan Griffin. He didn't call Brad Underwood or Josh Whitman to just say, hey, this has happened. I want to let you guys know. If you got any right. problem, tell me. Okay, we have that conversation. Now we can move on, right? Um, it feels like Warren did not, did not have the the politics in this conference or the connections in this conference to pull that off. And, and one was he wasn't able to get on these campuses as much as he wanted because of the pandemic. But – he can rebound from this if they bring this football season back, right? I think they can heal from this, but he's got to learn from it. He's got to be a better communicator. Even if the presidents and chancellors are making this decision, just like Roger Goodell, just like Adam Silver, just like Rob Manfred, and some of those guys are better than others, you are the communicator. You are the face of the league, and he was incredibly intransparent, uh, untransparent about everything. Um, he, he barely did any interviews, unlike Larry Scott, who's not loved in the Pac-12, but Larry Scott has been out there and broken down why medically they did this, broken down why there are issues with them returning to play due to legislation and all that and, and, and local governments. Warren didn't really do those things uh, until really prodded, and it really and caused, it caused his league to be divided. He, he's got to find a way to get them together, and that's why I'm interested if they do vote, formal vote carp, is it unanimous? Do they even vote? Do they just say, hey, this is the consensus? Do teams opt out? Uh, maybe. It doesn't sound like it, according to uh, Brett McMurphy, who's really tied in. But uh, this is a big moment for Kevin Warren that I think if they get a season going, sorry to be long-winded, that he's got a chance to heal this and a chance to learn from this and get everybody back together. But that, that's his big job if they do start. I, I think if they get the season going, and it seems inevitable at this point, right? I think that you got through the first full week of college football uh, with the Big 12 and the ACC. And just, just, to, was, just to fill in, Carp, I, I talked with an Illinois source who should know things like this. Um, yeah. And they said, I, I asked them, in the next two months, would you expect to play football? And they said yes. Okay. Especially if that includes November. But all the reports are that there's optimism they would start in October. There is an opportunity here for Kevin Warren in the communication of the relaunch of Big Ten football to do a little backpedaling and give more context as to why the initial decision was made. Now, it's not going to appease everybody, but ultimately what will placate most people is just the resumption of the season. I mean, that will really cure not all, but a lot. I think that if I go back to the initial decision of the Big Ten, it was puzzling for a variety of reasons. One being five days after the schedule was announced. Awful. The other puzzling thing about it. And listen, there are there are so many dichotomies and contradictions in 
in all of the football slash opening universities up discussion, how could you have a Big Ten campus open with 40,000 plus students, but say that 85 guys can't play football? I understand all of that and all the frustration that comes with it. Uh, the one thing with the transparency argument, I would not disagree that he was not transparent enough. I find it interesting that this discussion about restarting football, um, and I got it, I need to give credit to Bomani Jones for posing this because I'd not viewed it through this prism, is that the leagues that elected to play had far less um, of an onus on them Criticism. as to why they were playing, right? Yeah. And the leagues that decided not to. So in other words, in the middle of this pandemic, which for me, there's enough context with the numbers alone, uh, to say that uh, even if it's not going to affect the 18 to 22 year old, the concern is the community spread. And there's also the uncertainty. You mentioned myocarditis. We still don't know, but that's the big thing. We don't know. So it does seem interesting to me that this conversation nationwide yeah. has really went the direction of, well, SEC, ACC, Big 12. Got it. OK, you're playing great. And then for the most yeah. part, the focus has shifted away to them from them, I should say, back to the Big Ten because they elected to not play. I, I've always found that puzzling that um, the decision not to play given the context of what's going on was far more criticized because the people who care about it most just want ball right they, they just want some right. source of normalcy and that includes people in my industry there are people in my industry that are getting railed against carp just because they post facts or they they have questions about the sec or should the big 10 come back and play right they're getting railed against and i think that's that's wrong because shouldn't we be asking okay is it right to play? Like we can have that question, but we could also say, okay, yeah, it, there is some danger there. There's some unknown there, but I think all of us in our lives, me, you are trying to find a way to get back to our lives and deal with this at the same time and try to do it safely. And that's what I'll give the credit to the big 10. I think it's always been what there is at the forefront of their minds, but now I think they're trying to balance both the health and safety also with the reality of the finances of the league, the desires of these coaches, the desires of these players. And I think a lot of the presidents and chancellors, including Robert Jones, by the way, I, I was told by somebody at Illinois, you know, Robert Jones might've voted no against this. And I think it was because of the doctors and the information and where the big 10 was leaning at the time, but he is a champion of athletics. And I was basically told he wants to, he wants to lift up Illinois football and brag about Illinois football just as much as he's bragging about testing right now. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, which is understandable. This is the front porch of his university. He's seen as a champion of athletics. And I was told, I mean, we'll see, I guess. But I was told I, I asked because there's reports Illinois might opt out. Uh, and somebody told me that couldn't be farther from the truth. So uh, yeah, I would I'd expect Illinois to play <laughs> like if they're going to play. And um, I think Whitman would be pretty upset if, if Jones went that way. So just based on what I feel, I think Illinois would play regardless. But, yeah, I, I think the Big Ten was trying to do the right thing. But I think they're trying to find that balance now of, okay, we think we, we've seen other people pull this off a little bit, which is good, right? They, they let somebody else maybe be the guinea pig a little bit. And those people are willing to be it, which is a scary place to be a little bit. Um, and now they learn from that. They've gotten more time. And I think in the end, it's actually going to work out the best because you're still going to have, if you get to a college football playoff, and we'll see, um, you'll have that chance. Your teams will be able to play games. Your NFL players will get legit film in a genuine season where they're competing for something. They'll have time to rest and prepare for the NFL draft, which will probably get delayed anyway. Right. Um, and we'll talk about Illinois here, but I know that again, the road to get here was, was bumpy, but I do think the big 10 had the right intentions. And even though they screwed up the process, 
Um, I still think it's going to end up maybe the best way to go about this was to delay it, even if it wasn't intentionally supposed to delay till October 17th right. or whatever. The end result, however you got there, may actually be the smoothest of any of the Power Five yeah. conferences. I think that what will be interesting is who essentially gets credit for the resumption of play. Now, when last Thursday, I think it was, when Ryan Day came out, and that was a few hours after James Franklin was on a radio show, you know, my two favorite Big Ten football programs, of course, <laughs> Ohio State and Penn State. And I realized, especially from Ohio State's perspective, if there was a school and conference that could make the argument that they do as much, if not more, for the conference than vice versa – it would probably be Ohio State football in the last 20 years. I could get that argument, but, 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 but. At the end of the day, as applauded as that was from a, a fairly predictable uh, section of both Ohio State fans, but also national football fans. He did it for his base, Day, which I don't blame him yes. for. He's doing it for recruiting. He's doing it to say, Absolutely. I'm fighting for my guys, and I'm fighting for my state, and I'm fighting for my athletic department. I get why Ryan Day did it, right? But it wasn't being a great member of the Big Ten, if we're going to no. be honest. But that's, he's, he's more worried about his base than really the entire conference, right? For sure. And I'm thinking the, the last part of his statement is what bothered me the most. It said, why can't we play? And I got an easy answer. It's a pandemic. Okay, yeah. so let's start with that. And then the uncertainty factor. I, what I've tried to delineate on my podcast is it's not about fear, though there is reason to be kind of humbled by the presence of a virus that's not even a year old. Yeah. It's the uncertainty of it and the fact that all these other conferences, yeah, sure, they're going right ahead and there's going to be some postponements, but there is an inherent risk in, involved with that that we don't 100% know about. There are things that we're still learning about it. So when I read, why can't we play, the easy answer to that to Ryan Day would be, there's a pandemic, yep. there's uncertainty, we don't want any of these young athletes to have lingering health issues. That's it's not fake. Easy it's not a fake pandemic. It's not. So then <laughs> what would have been, I think, a statement from him that could have played to the base, but also been, I think, more realistic and uh, constructive would have been what we at Ohio State are looking for is uh, the following steps um, to ensure our, the health and safety. You know, you know what I mean? Like something that is much why can't more- we play safe, Why can't we play responsibly? Right? I mean, that, that's, what, that's what we're all looking to do right now. I think most of us, right, are, mm -hmm. are just looking for, okay, how can I go to work and, and make a living for my family and do it safely and responsibly. That, that is good for the best of others, right? How can my kid get an education and go to school or, or learn from his teachers and do it safely and responsibly? That works for everybody. Yeah. Um, how can I go to a restaurant, right? I, I've done those things. I, I went and traveled. I went and did a, you know, met with recruits and, and, and spoke with him. And some people might frown upon that, but I felt I was responsible in how I did. I wore a mask everywhere. I didn't go out anywhere. When I did go out to a restaurant, I was outdoors by myself, by no one else. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I did all those things. And I think I took the responsible actions to do it, but I also wanted to do my job and, and, and do my work. So I think we're all trying to find ways to do that. And I think that should be the message is we're all trying to balance doing what we want to do and, and, and need to do with, you know, acknowledging and that there are many people dying of this, even if it's people with pre-existing conditions or, or older people, like we have to keep them safe. That, that's what we're supposed to do. And we don't want to spread this and we want to do everything we can until we're able to get treatment and vaccine that can eradicate this thing. Um, we, we want to do that responsibly. So I think that's the message and that should be the message, right? Um, yeah, I, I think it's okay to have two 
par- let's go back to the parallel tracks thing that Mike Thomas so often spoke about. Yeah. Uh, two parallel thoughts here that don't necessarily agree with one another, but I think you and I would both agree on one hand, even if it was Duke, Notre Dame or Kansas, Coastal Carolina, on Saturday, it was nice to have football on. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. On the other track would be that concern of, okay, there is this other thing going on in throughout the entire country and, and the country that's handled it statistically the worst of any country, right. you know? So it, it, it's frustrating to, um, I acknowledge the contradiction in that I'm, I voice concerns about, ah, gosh, like, yeah, I want football, but on the other hand, yeah. what about this, this or that? Um, I, I think that ultimately there is a callous nature to some of the arguments I have seen about, well, the pre-existing conditions or, ah, they're old. They're in a retirement home anyway. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but they're still, I don't know. I mean, to I me, that's if I, like. If I were 78 and, and I got it because somebody yeah. else wasn't being safe. I right. wanted to live till I was 85. <laughs> like, I mean, yes. I, I, I would like those see, extra seven years. I, I want to see more of my grandkids or I want to see more of my kids, you know, seeing the, you know, like. That is callous. Um, It's been the trickiest thing to navigate, too. And I'm sure you felt this in, you know, writing about sports and doing the podcast and then in doing the podcast myself. It's it's this tricky thing because it is truly that cloud that's just kind of hanging over everything, both in terms of, you know, the social and all the political things that go with it. But more than that, from just sports, it's the thing that can derail any of our seasons. So from a sports fan's perspective, I'm like, yes, I want to do it, but I also want to ensure that when they do, right. that the season actually finishes. It's one thing to start it. It's another thing to actually get the thing done. And when it's been um, encouraging, whether it be the NBA or the NHL and heck, NFL. Major League Baseball yeah. and, the, and the NFL, uh, that they figured it out. And now it seems that maybe the Big Ten, despite an initial um, miscalculation, yeah. let's say, that it may work in their favor. You mentioned the other leagues got to be guinea pigs first. And now the Big Ten can say, oh, well, you know, now we get our ducks in a row. Here's how not and then to they do st- it. <laughs> not to do, and then they start yeah. October 17th, I presume, what, an eight-game schedule? Yeah. And you got to like gotta give a lot of credit to Illinois and the university for, for being oh, yeah. uh, at the forefront of this. I, I can tell you, Illinois felt it would have been fine to play and have fans. Um, because they've, they've taken care of this, right? The, the community, um, you know, the students come back and you're going to have a spike and that was, I think, expected. Um, and hopefully students learn from that and, and take it seriously. Because if you do want football games, you want to attend football games, you got to lower those rates, right? You got to lower that positivity rate. Um, and if you want to go to games, I'm sure you got to have that, uh, your app all, all good to go. So, yeah. um, I think Illinois was, was really comfortable with playing in September. And I think, you know, what they've done, you've seen the testing graphs, it's through the roof. I mean, they're, they're blowing away the rest of the big 10 when it comes to, um, test capacity and, you know, positivity rate is, is among the lowest in, in the big 10, which is of course, cause their testing capacity is high too. So, um, all those things, I think Illinois deserves a lot of credit for that, but, I think that's part of why we're going to be able to see football, uh, which is great, Carp, because I do want football, great, right? I think oh, you absolutely. want football. Like, there, there's so many people, all the media doesn't want it. No, we just, there's questions about it, and we have to report on it, right? So the, the things you don't want to read about the unknowns or the, the concerns, we have to report on. That's our job. Um, but also, we want, because th- this is bad for our industry right now, right? It's, it's bad for my website. Um, but we have a, a duty to, to give out facts and, and to report on this and the impact of all of this. And I think we've, our, our industry's 
for the most part, done a pretty good job of that. Um, but I want football. I'll be, I'll be at the first game whenever, whenever they do it. I'm going to go to all the Absolutely. games and, and try to do it as safely as possible. But it does seem like we're actually going to have Illinois football, which is good for Lovey. And we said this before, Carp. I know you got to go. This sets up well for Illinois because they've had no opt-outs. And they've actually added talent with Daniel Matorbebe, Roderick Perry, Brian Hightower, and Kamari Thompson are now eligible, and it doesn't affect their eligibility long term. Right. Um, and you've had teams like Purdue's Rondale Moore, Minnesota Rashad Bateman, Northwestern Rashawn Slater, some of their best talents. And I think Illinois is set up to to where the West is already up, up for grabs. I think Illinois only strengthens its team. I, I always already was high on them, as you know, uh, in the Big Ten West. They finished fourth last year, and I think they're capable of that or, or maybe even better with some of the defections we've seen some, from some other programs. So in an eight-game season, I think Illinois can actually have a year where they finish above 500 in a Big Ten schedule. I'm not gonna, I don't know if I'm going to predict it, but I think they're going to be capable of doing really well in this shortened season. I made a prediction after the 10 game schedule came out on August 5th, I think is when that first came out. And I said, sadly, I'm looking at three and seven or four and six, but here's the problem with that. Even at four and six, you have basically two guaranteed losses to Ohio state and Penn state. And then you go four and four. So essentially that wouldn't have been all that bad. And we looked at what the schedule would have been this year, which is three non-conference wins. (laughs) Those non-conference, they they totally inflate what you, how you look at a season, don't they? Like last year and the way I look at it, it's four and five. Right, you're you're four right. and five, which is way better than what you've been here recently. If they would have finished five and five in that ten game schedule, Carp, I would have said, "Oh my oh. gosh, pop some champagne, Illinois," yes. because that's that's the best Big Ten season you've had since '07, and that's a legit Big Ten West, not contender, but a legit team that people have to worry about. If we're looking at an eight game schedule, because presumably it'd be tough to get ten yeah. in at that rate if they start mid October. So you're looking at eight games. I'm presuming six of those are against your division competition. Then you got two teams out of the East. Now that is where it really gets interesting. And I hope somehow, some way that the updated schedule, whenever that comes out, does not have the Ohio States and the Penn States You'll on it. You'll get one of them. You'll get one of them. You will. Right? You, you just will. hope the other one is Maryland or Rutgers. Or Indiana. Yes. Right? Indiana's actually pretty good, but I'm just saying, or, or Michigan State. State. Yeah. Like, you, you want one of those teams. Like, hopefully you have it even instead of bookending your Big Ten West schedule with Ohio State and Penn State. And with that in mind, I'm thinking, let's presume an Ohio State or Penn State's on it, and we'll call that a likely loss. That still leaves seven games and at least four or five of those where you feel like things are fairly even. The initial three and seven or four and six that I predicted back on August 5th was not trying to be overly pessimistic. It was just. You know, first off, there hadn't been opt-outs yet. Yeah, not any key ones for the big schools, um, and even within our own, uh, even within the West Division. So I thought, I just don't like this path. And now that we've gotten this far along, and you mentioned the four or five guys that are immediately eligible, I mean, this is a decent roster. Now, the the key for me that I still need uh, the coaching staff. I still need more proof that yeah. what we saw those four weeks from Wisconsin to Purdue, to Michigan State, to Rutgers, that that is what you could see long-term from. And to be honest with you, I know a lot of that's on Lovey Smith people are talking about. Rod Smith is a big year, right? He's got a lot of toys. He's got a lot of weapons and a lot of experience. And his first year, I thought he was awesome. I mean, what he did to that run game with A.J. Bush and Reggie Corbin at unbelievable year and the offensive line step forward. You got one of the best offensive lines in the Big Ten. You got a, a solid Big Ten quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I think your running backs can be better this year, actually, than last year, which I know a lot of people wouldn't think. But I think Mike Epstein and Chase Brown are overall 
Okay. Um, probably better than Reggie Corbin and at least versatile, more versatile. And Dre Brown, I, it was great last year, but I think those guys are like him. Um, your offensive line is obviously really good. Your wide receivers are much improved, unknown for the most part, but but improved. And I like your back seven. Uh, my biggest question is the defensive line and I, sure. getting pass rush. But I, I look at their – I've said this for a while, even before these opt-outs. I look at their roster compared to Nebraska, compared to Minnesota, even if you play Indiana this year or um, – you know, Iowa's probably better. But, you know, Purdue... You get them at home. Yeah. I if mean, it matters. <laughs> these teams, like you saw with Michigan State last year, it's it's not... You're not at a different level. I mean, you are on the level of those other teams, and that just comes down to execution and good coaching, as you said. You know, if this follows suit, the news will come out about 15 minutes after you post this. I think we've done a pretty good job <laughs> keeping it vague enough. Yes. Regardless yes. of when the announcement comes out, this will be an evergreen podcast. Yeah. I mean, we... We presume it will happen. I think it will. I I can't wait for, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this. You know, I'm much more of an Illini basketball fan than football, and that just goes with the history of it. But it was interesting watching these games on Saturday, which I had no rooting interest. And yet I just found myself kind of plastered in my chair, Same. just watching these games and switching to Sunbelt and whatever other crap was on and enjoying it. Being like, man, I'm the ready. Big 12 sucks, right? They're so bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, at least we got some stuff to talk about. And Cart, maybe we'll make this uh, a regular thing. Mondays with Mike, man. We'll we'll get it we'll get it scheduled here. I know that we'll just kind of figure out our own schedules with uh, your stuff and my teaching and all that. But I like the idea of that, and uh, it's exciting to know that probably within a month we would be recording a podcast in some in, in preparation. Yeah. I guess of the season opener because it does seem like October seventeenth. I know that Sir Yacht. He's been on this from the start. He's been my news source. I don't know about you. Just throw out every week, Carp. Just say, this is happening this week, and at some point you'll be right. Exactly. So you throw enough stuff at a wall, something will stick. I don't doubt, I don't doubt someone is telling him something, right? Yeah. It's just when you just say every week, oh, this is happening, and then it doesn't happen, and then you say it, and that week it does happen – Everyone just forgets about it, especially when you're not a national reporter, right? If you're some outsider, oh, right, right. right? Oh, you got that one right. Like, okay. What's the hit rate? Tell there? the people hey, what they want. That's, hey. that's the new MO for you guys at Lawn Inquirer. You got to tell them what they want. That's right. Not what's true. Right. Just just tell them what they want and profit, right? Because Sir Yacht, I think, is. So good for him, man. Yeah, good man. He's built quite a career. Mike Carpenter, thank you, buddy. We'll see you soon. All right, see you. That was a lot of fun. It's like riding a bike with Carp. You know, we keep in touch and we're pretty good friends after all these years, man, more than a decade. Uh, we've known each other. And uh, I always thought, you know, on the radio, it was made for interesting combo because Carp and I do think alike with some things, like the same music, like some of the same movies, except for his love for There Will Be Blood. Um, but we're Bears fans. We're, we're big rock music fans. Um, and we're, of course, the same age. Uh, but, uh, some things we disagree about, but I always find it uh, interesting when we get together and talk. And ho hopefully we're going to make it something more regular. I, I threw it out to him because this morning I said, hey, do you want to do a podcast today about everything going on? And I kind of missed radio, to be honest with you. And he was a big part of uh, you know the radio uh, experience for me. So that was a lot of fun to chat some bears. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I know it's not a line I talk, but uh, we did get to it with, with the Big Ten. And yeah, we'll see how well this one ages. Uh, it seems like the Big Ten's going to vote this afternoon. I'm going to probably post this around 2 p.m. Um, so we'll see if they do that today or tomorrow or if, if this drags on. But I do have to say there's some optimism in the Big Ten and there is some optimism uh, inside the Illini program 
as well. But uh, that would definitely give us a lot more to cover here on the podcast as well as at IlliniInquire.com. If you don't already, subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to us, rate us, review us. That helps us out as well. Hey, maybe next time on the podcast, we'll be talking about the Big Ten resuming. We'll see. Catch us next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.